Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. Dave Rowe with you for Jock Wilson. Coming up this weekend, it's the Eastern and Western semifinals. Of course, the Stampeders with a little more interest in that Western semifinal between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Of course, the winner of that is going to be coming here for the Western final, but lots of interest out East, too, as Wally Bono and the BC Lions crossover facing the Hamilton Ticats. So let's set up both games for you, shall we? Let's start off in the West. I'm going to be joined by Bob Irving, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We're going to talk about that Winnipeg-Sask matchup. So, Bob, first of all, uh, the usual long, strange trip uh, through the CFL season. Based on expectations going into the year, uh, are the Bombers, I guess, satisfied with playing a, a semifinal on the road, or did you guys expect more? I think the fans and the Bombers expected a little more, Dave. They were... Uh second place as you know last year with a 12 and 6 record and so i think they're a little disappointed in their record at 10 and 8 uh but they've played good football most of the year and they've, they've lost probably two or three games that they still shake their heads over so they could have easily been quite a bit better and i don't think they could have been much worse than 10 and 8 so at the end of the day they're in the playoffs which of course is everybody's number one goal when the season begins and uh now they got to win two on the road, two tough ones on the road to get where they'd like to be. I mean, now the Stampeders really only sort of had the, the one topsy-turvy moment, you know, the one downturn losing streak, picking it up at the end here. But for Winnipeg, I mean, what an up-and-down ride it's been. You, know, you start the year with, uh, with Matt Nichols on the sidelines, then you start seeing the team you expect to see, then it all falls apart, and, and then it comes back together. Uh, what's, it, what's it been like covering the emotional side of this thing with the team? Well, you're right. It's been a real roller coaster. No nickels at the start. So, uh, you know, they, they have to use their young quarterback, and, and he actually plays quite well in the early going. And uh, Chris Treveller, and they get away with a one and two start, and then they get on a bit of a roll and get to five and three. And then it's the four game losing streak that had everybody scratching their head. They played some very poor football in there, and included in that streak was two losses to Saskatchewan. Although I have to say, both those games, they could have easily won. They outplayed the, the Riders in a lot of different ways. They just turned the ball over, uh, which is really something that uh, Mike O'Shea's teams haven't done. And then uh, at 5-7, and seven, it looked pretty bleak. But now they go on uh, you know, a five-game win streak and play superb football. I think people across the league thought they looked as good or better than any team in the, in the country uh, down the stretch here. So it has been an up-and-down year, a real roller coaster, but it finished on a, certainly a positive note that, you know, the loss in Edmonton aside because that was a game where they played a lot of backup. Yeah, so I yeah. think they feel pretty good about themselves and they've got the pretty good momentum going into the playoffs. Now, with the Stampeders, I mean, I, I think you can point to Bo Levi Mitchell finally getting comfortable and getting some communication with his replacement receivers for, you know, the uh, the, the turnaround in the offense at the end of the year. W- what were the factors going into getting the Bombers back on track after that skid? Well, for me, Dave, the, the biggest thing was Mike O'Shea simply not panicking and, and holding the line, keeping a steady hand on things and saying, hey, we're, you know, we're doing the right things. We have the right players. Things just aren't working out for us. But if we stay the course, if we stick to the plan, stick to the process, as coaches love to say, uh, we'll turn this around. We'll be okay. And he was right. Uh, they they simply went out and kept doing what they do, what they believe in. The belief that they had a good team never went away, and they started winning some games. It's no more complicated than that, Dave. And I, you know, I think O'Shea gets a lot of credit for that because a lot of others, I think, might have 
maybe taken some drastic measures, but uh, Mike never lost faith in his team, and uh, they've restored, uh, uh, you know, that confidence he showed in them uh, with a with a good uh, streak at the end of the year. Uh, is is he really that strong of, of a player's coach? There is that much belief in him in the locker room that you know, sort of, you know, cult of personality isn't the the right way to put it, but just that the players will believe in him and will stick with him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think we've seen it uh, these last three winning seasons the Bombers have had, and we saw it uh, completely during the the tough times this year. The you know the players to a man have enormous respect for O'Shea, Dave, and I think part of that is the, well, obviously the way he handles them. Uh, there's no game playing with Mike O'Shea. It's uh, it's you know it's what you see is what you get, and the fact that he played for so long in the league and was such a good player. I think is part of the respect they have for him. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I haven't, you know, you can talk to players sort of quietly on the side quite often, as you well know, but I haven't found one yet who doesn't have a tremendous amount of respect for Mike O'Shea. And uh, on each side of the ball, you've got a couple of longtime stars in the CFL who have been having uh, outstanding uh, years and have really driven this team on both sides. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to surprise anyone saying I'm talking about Andrew Harris and Adam Big Hill. Well, Harris is remarkable. He's 31 years old, and he really is <laughs> appears to be getting better and not older. He almost rushed for 1,400 yards this year. Would have been over that if he'd have played the entire game in Edmonton on the weekend. He is uh, a consummate pro in every way. Again, you talk about respect. The players have tremendous respect for him. He's a leader. He's a hard worker at practice. He's everything you'd want. And then Adam Bighill on the other side is exactly the same way, Dave. Signing him on the eve of training camp is is the best move this club has made in 2018 to sort of get him fall in your lap out of the blue on the eve of camp at a position which was a position of concern. And he's just been tremendous. We all know what a terrific player he was. But until you are around him and see what a, a great leader and professional he is, you know, I don't think you really appreciate exactly how important and how good Adam Big Hill is, but he's been fantastic. So we throw away the two games against the Riders around the Banjo Bowl happening as they did when this team was on the downslide. Looking at this team now, looking at Saskatchewan now, do you like your chances going into Regina Sunday? Well, yeah, I think the Bombers have a very good chance of winning this game. The Riders have been challenged on offense all season long, although they played one of their best games against the Stamp Store at the end of the year when Zach Kolaris was lighting it up. But that's the best game he had all season. We don't know, as you and I speak, we don't know about Kolaris' availability. Somebody in Saskatchewan told me they think he is going to play in this game. Uh, but the Bombers have a better offense. Their special teams aren't as good as... Uh, Saskatchewan's and and so there's a soft there and defensively I know everybody thinks the Ryder defense is one of the best in the league and it is but Winnipeg's defense in that five game streak played as well as anybody so yeah I think the Bombers have uh, a real good chance to win with one caveat you're playing at uh, Mosaic Stadium where the noise is going to be absolutely challenging to deal with and home field is an advantage. There's no doubt about that. So I think it's going to be a great game, Dave. I really do. And, yeah, I think the Bombers have a very good chance to win it. Bob, looking forward to hearing your call on uh, 770 CHQR Sunday at 2.30. Okay, for sure. Thanks, Dave. Look forward to having people listen and look forward to doing it because I think it's going to be a titanic struggle. 
Winnipeg playing some pretty good football down the stretch. I think this game comes down to Zach Caleros. Which Zach Caleros do you see? The guy that can be dominant at times or the guy that's easily injured and can look hesitant when he wants to throw the ball? We'll find out. Now, heading out east, let's find out what is going to go on as the Hamilton Ticats, who really slumped down the stretch without Brandon Banks, are going to be able to do as they take on the BC Lions. Jock Wilson going to be joined by Rick Zamperin from our sister station in Hamilton. in the Calgary Stampeder podcast time to take a look at what's happening in that East semifinal this weekend the Lions in Hamilton I know what you're thinking BC Lions in the East semifinal that's something that you know Wally Buono's never done before he's never won the East division title so maybe this year but uh, let's go to Hamilton right now in the Calgary Stampeder podcast it's a real pleasure to be joined by the former voice of the Tiger Cats he's the sports director for Global News Radio AM 900 Rick Zamprin joins us hey Rick how you doing Jock, I'm fantastic. How about yourself? Well, I'll tell you what. If I'm a member of the BC Lions, I'm not dancing on the Tiger Cats logo at Tim Hortons Field. That is probably item number one on Wally Bono's itinerary. Do not <laughs> dance whatsoever anywhere near the center field logo at, at Tim Hortons Field, which created you know, some real interesting storylines uh, when these two teams met for the second time in the back half of their home-and-home series uh, earlier on this year, where, for those that don't know, BC Lions players, uh, during their walkthrough, which is the day before the game, held an impromptu kind of dancing session, which happened to be at center field at Tim Morton's uh, Field, uh, which is uh, where the Ticats logo is. Uh, and that video was put on social media, and a number of the Ticats players saw it, obviously didn't like it. Whether it was intended to be provocative or not uh, from the BC Lions players, it was in the Ticats locker room. Uh, BC got thoroughly thrashed later that day, or the next day, 40-10, to 10, uh, which even that season series had won. Uh, but it certainly made uh, some headlines. And uh, even after the game, you know, the CFL investigated a couple of incidents where uh, players clashed in the parking lot. Right. So there's right. some bad blood between these two teams. Well, and, and you know, hey, you, you met uh, late in the season, week 15 and week uh, 16. You know, the game in Vancouver, very, very close. That game goes to double overtime. That was a big comeback by the Lions. And then the one-sided affair in Hamilton. So I, I would think heading into the Eastern semifinal, the Tiger Cats, even though they're on a three-game losing streak, Break, probably feeling pretty good about themselves heading into this game. Is that a fair assessment? I don't think that's a very fair assessment. Number one, they're at home, uh, even though, you know, their four and five home record this season doesn't scream dominance. They, they have played well at home this season. I would say that BC's two and seven record on the road is quite glaring, but hey, in a one game scenario, anything can happen. So you can throw out those stats, but ask any Ticats fan and they're, they're, they were thoroughly, uh, you know, head over heels with the 40 to 10, uh, you know, beat down to BC. But the previous week, that was a very controversial game in terms of what Ticats head coach June Jones did. They were up 28-21, and instead of going for a 47-yard right. right. field goal in the final minute of that game, to, to basically put it out of reach, he decided to punt for the extra point, make it an eight-point game, and lo and behold, you know, thinking his defense would hold the fort, BC came down and not only scored a touchdown, but added a very dramatic two-point conversion with Brian Burnham making an outstanding uh, tiptoe uh, two-point conversion to tie the game. BC ends up winning it at overtime. So really, Ticats fans are thinking Hamilton should be 2-0 and against the Lions this season, but obviously they're not. That's why they play the games. 
this game coming up on the weekend is going to be absolutely fantastic, I think. So, so Rick, tell me what's going wrong with the Hamilton Tiger Cats right now. You know, we know they're on a three-game losing streak. Hey, the Stamps ended last season on a three-game losing streak. They still made it to the uh, uh, to the Great Cup Championship game. I, I think it's a little different for the t- Tiger Cats. You know, they were battling for first place, and unfortunately some injuries really hit them hard. So you're, you're much closer to that team than I am. So uh, what is the general mood and feeling of this team heading into this game? Well, number one, uh, a three-game losing streak is a three-game losing streak. But I would throw out the final game of the season where it was basically a a, a preseason game for the Tiger Cats, who nearly won at the end of the game, save for a Lara Maharalahu missed field goal attempt. But they had a lot of their second stringers, a lot of their third stringers into that ballgame, starting the ballgame. So I'd throw that one out. But even before that, you know, back-to-back losses against Ottawa was really disheveling. I think most Ticats fans were thinking that they had a good shot at winning the division. Uh, but Ottawa, you know, really proved their worth. This Ticats team has really been beset by injuries, especially at the receiver position. Brandon Banks gone for the season. Chris Williams earlier this year, you know, injured for the rest of the season. Jalen Saunders, another 1,000-yard receiver in his sophomore season, injured for the rest of the year. Terrence Tolliver is in that same boat. Uh, you know, Alex Green was injured for a while, although he's back. Uh, They've had a number of injuries, especially on offense. And considering all that, they still have one of the most lethal offenses, at least statistically, in the Canadian Football League. Jeremiah Masoli will throw for, uh, on average, 300 yards a game. He'll throw a couple of touchdowns. He will make a mistake here or there. Uh, And defensively, you know, this team has had its ups and downs. At the start of the season, uh, they were were really a potent defense. But ever since, I would say, just before Labor Day, they've kind of slowed down at least defensively. They can't get to the quarterback, which is always an issue. They can't force enough turnovers, and then they can't score points off those turnovers. So that's not a recipe for success, especially in a winner-take-all playoff scenario. So look into your crystal ball for me, Rick. Uh, How do you see this game playing out this weekend? Well, I see it playing out one of two ways. Either number one, uh, you know, BC can fight that time change difference because this is a 1 p.m. Eastern time start. That's 10 a.m. you know Vancouver time so if they can make that adjustment get out to an early lead and kind of uh, throw some uh, thoughts of doubt into the Ticats players minds I think that's going to be huge and I can really see BC winning this football game especially with the pressure that they can get onto the quarterback if they can get to Masoli if they can create some turnovers and then score off those turnovers that's going to be a huge plus for them for the Ticant standpoint, you know, this game, as good as their offense has played, I think this game is going to be predicated on how well or how not well this Ticant's defense plays. If they can get to Lule, if they can create some turnovers, I think this Ticant's team can win this football game. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly leaning towards the Ticant's just because I think this defense can get to Lule and, and create some problems. But I wouldn't at all be surprised if BC came in and, and won this football game, as they did back in 2009 when they crossed over and beat Hamilton at Old Iverwind Stadium. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, before I let you go, uh, i, I got to get your unbiased opinion here in the West. Who are the Stampeders going to see in the West final? Will it be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or will it be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Well, you know what? If this game was in Winnipeg, I'd say the Bombers. But because it's in Saskatchewan, i got to say the Rough Riders. I mean, they've played really well over the last number of weeks. Uh, but I know they have some concerns at the quarterback position in terms of Zach Caleros' health. Uh, I'd really like to see Winnipeg win because, I mean, let's face it, they haven't won anything since 1990. You kind of feel sorry for them after a while. So I'm kind of pulling for Winnipeg, although I'm a huge fan of Caleros. So I, 
I really don't care who wins, but I think, you know, if, if I had to put money down, I'd probably go with the Rough Riders just because they're at home and they're so tough to beat at Mosaic State. Yeah, you know what? I, I sort of have to agree with you. Hey, Rick, this has been fun. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us on the Calgary Stampeder podcast. You got it. Anytime. That's all the time we have for this week. Remember, we drop a new Stampeder podcast every Thursday morning. Take some time out, if you would, and rate us. Let us know how you think we're doing. If you really like what you hear, tell a friend where to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, tune in. And also, feel free to drop us an idea. Always looking for content on the Calgary Stampeder podcast. 